This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Hello, everybody. Good morning, and welcome to Teachers Talk Radio. This morning, it's the Thursday morning break with me, Holly King-Mand, and we are talking about why it might be beneficial to engage with your local independent bookshop. So if you're a teacher or a literacy coordinator or you just like books, make sure you're here for the hour to join the conversation. This is Teachers Talk Radio and you are listening live. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. So welcome everybody, welcome to my show this morning. So we are talking about why it might be beneficial for your students, for your school, to engage, to fully engage with your local independent bookshops. Now, um, all teachers will know that those brochures and booklets and book reps will come to your school and they will offer you the very best prices, of course, to bulk order all of the texts and books and all sorts that you need. But there is an alternative and there is an alternative that comes with a very special kind of service. And that is, of course, your independent, your local independent bookshop. Uh, now, we've got a brilliant guest today. We've got Jenny Blake, who is the manager of an independent bookshop, uh, one that is new, newly established, but building really good links with its local community and its local schools and really promoting itself as a literacy hub. Now, lots of bookshops are doing this. They are rethinking and reworking their position within the high street and the community. And they are looking to engage with you, with schools and teachers to build those really strong relationships. So without further ado, and I'm now joined by Jenny Blake, who is the manager of Book, an independent bookshop in Leighton Buzzard. And um, it's perfect timing to speak to Jenny about our topic today, why should schools engage with their local independent bookshops um, for a, a very special reason. Uh, welcome, Jenny. Why don't you tell us about why this is a good week to be talking about bookshops? Thank you, Holly. Thank you for having me as well. Um, so Bookshop Day is coming up on the 7th of October um, and it's a national campaign organised by the Booksellers Association to basically celebrate all things bookshop about what we can offer the community, um, how we can support the community and um, yeah really kind of the show the love of bookshops that people have and I think since opening this time last year, that's what we've really come to learn on the high street, that bookshops are a place that are loved by their community and um, hopefully bookshops will share that love back as well. Lovely. So uh, why don't you tell us a bit about uh, your bookshop and, um, and how it started and what it does? Yeah, so basically, um, Book Leighton Buzzard was a maternity leave project, basically, as if having a baby isn't enough. Um, <laughs> I met, um, my background is in publishing, um, but I'd, ever since I was a little girl, I'd always wanted to run a bookshop, ever since I sort of went to my local one um, on the coast where I used to live, and my mum was a librarian, so I used to live under the counter at the library all the time. Um, and I used to draw little pictures of my bookshop in, in the back of my exercise books. So um, flash forward sort of 20 odd years and I'm doing a pregnancy yoga course and I meet someone on that. You have that kind of chat over coffee where you say, oh, what do you do? What would you like to do? And I said, oh, I work in publishing, but I've always really wanted to run a bookshop. And they said, this town is crying out for one. We've, we want to invest in it let's do it together so that the idea sort of started in May 21 and we opened in September 21 um, and since then it's been it's been a massive learning curve but it's also been an absolute joy and the joy is the customers and book especially because I'm a mum because that's sort of my my thing um, 
we're really focused on kind of children and families and literacy and bringing kids in at a really young age to kind of celebrate all things English and books really. Wonderful and and I expect not not just the the, the English teachers listening today but all teachers listening to this will be going yes yes Yes, this is what we <laughs> this is what we want. This is what we need. Um, so, what type of events does um, your particular bookshop hold regularly, or or so, special events? Yeah, we do quite a lot. I mean, regularly we hold um, a story time for under fives, uh, which is kind of like a weekly, completely free drop in session um, for all kind of preschool ages. So we have little sort of babes in arms coming along to children that are just about ready to start school. And it's it's literally just me kind of, I pick three stories on a theme. Um, so on Friday, I'm gonna be doing uh, autumn, uh, pick three stories and then we do some rhymes, we do some songs. I try and do like a little bit of maths and literacy to go along with it as well. Um, and it's just a really nice session. It's very kind of small because the shop's quite small. So it's quite an intimate little space. Um, and do, is it, that, do you have lots of people come regularly is it is it we have like we have a... got some regulars i'd say we've got about five or six regulars and then we have drop-ins of different people each week um and you know i give out a little sticker at the end so the kids go along and actually one little girl has made herself her own little book that she's collecting all the stickers in that she collects each week. Oh goodness! Really lovely to she's gonna she's gonna run a bookshop or become yeah, a teacher or be a librarian. <laughs> or a <yeah>. librarian yeah. <laughs> <laughs> lovely. Um, and what other events do you, do you hold? Because this is this is a thing, isn't it? When I was a child, bookshops were just bookshops, but now they are like hubs of sort of you know events and clubs and and all sorts. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, and partly that's driven out of necessity in the way that we need to get footfall in. We need to be attracting people in because there's so much competition. We can't necessarily compete on price, but we can compete on community and we can compete on value to the customer when they come through the door. Um, and so one of the other things that I absolutely love doing is my kids' middle school book club, which is engaging the children between nine and 13. Um, I We sort of mutually pick out a book that we really want to read each month um they'll read they'll go away they'll read the book then they come in to us and we have a bit of a discussion about the book we kind of talk about the themes that have come up um and then i design a bit of an activity with them as well so it's something really straightforward like um we did escape room by christopher edge a little while ago um which is a really really interesting book and it's got a really good little sort of twist at the end that brings in lots of sort of concepts about artificial reality and this kind of stuff but so we talked about that and then we um, sat down, we all just designed our own escape rooms. Amazing. Um, which is really fun. And it's just a really nice way of getting kids. They all come from different schools as well, which is really nice because they're just brought together by their love of books. And they're also meeting other kids that purely just love reading and love books as well. Yeah, and I can really I can see the attraction because it some of the things that you're saying, I'm like, oh, that's the sort of thing that we would do in an English lesson. But then like, actually you can do some really sort of fun activities attached to it where you don't like in school we always have to have those learning outcomes and you know yeah, we need to be exactly. measuring like success and things like that but in if you're if if it's an event in your bookshop really the only outcome is just having a great time right yeah exactly and that's the fun and i you know i've got no pretense to be a teacher i don't have that expertise i don't have that knowledge i mean well, it sounds what like you've got lots of book <laughs> <laughs> But what I can bring to it is a little bit of passion and a little bit of yes. fun. And, you know, I can bring together the kids that, you know, they might want to go and sit in the library by themselves at school break time and think, oh, God, am I, you know, am I the only one that really likes books? And then actually this is a place that they can come to and they'd be like, oh, there are other people like me that just really love reading. Yeah, and they um, can be themselves and, yeah. and find their tribe yeah exactly exactly so that's that's a really special thing to do um and then for children as well as that we also do um quite a lot of author drop-ins as well so um i'll try and organize something once a month where we've got a really good author coming in who will do a story time who will maybe do a craft session with the kids that kind of thing i saw um, that you'd had ola falafel 
Yeah, and I was so gutted to miss that because uh, for those of you listening, of course, I'm based in Leighton Buzzard and uh, Book is my local independent bookshop. Um, I was so gutted to, I was actually teaching on that Saturday morning, so I I missed it. But uh, are those sorts of events well attended? Do the kids like them? Yeah, definitely. And that's, you know, all those little little snippets of, you know, people coming in and talking to them and um, sort of sharing their book and also saying, you know, I wrote this book, maybe you can too. So Olaf read his new book, Blobfish, to the kids, but then he got everyone to sit down and everyone had a little drawing session and drew Blobfish and drew their own version. And then he did a window display for us. So it's all about that sort of, you know, if I can do it, you can too. Yeah. And that's, I think those things are quite formative yeah absolutely Children at that age yeah, they... you know I sort of remember I remember when I was um in infant school um an author called Val Biro came along he wrote loads of books about Nessie and um, a car um, and he brought this car along and we all had to design a book cover for for one of his books and I can still remember that and it being a really really special day and that's obviously where my affection for kind of books comes from having those formative experiences so I kind of want to at least emulate that that to one child in the town yeah Uh, lovely and um do you do much for adults as well or is it do you really do so we do we we're we're building our event schedule with adults at the moment as I say we're quite a new shop so there's you know there's a lot of scope for us to explore a lot more with events um we've had Ruth Hogan come and visit us um Robin Ince, who's a really good kind of science educator and communicator, he co-presents The Infinite Monkey Cage on BBC Radio 4 with Professor Brian Cox. He's come in to us and just did this amazing talk about why it's so important to be curious and why science is, is not just kind of facts and figures and you don't have to be a scientist to enjoy science. Um, and all that kind of messaging is I find really important as well and I'm sure a lot of teachers will kind of resonate yeah, with that sentiment. definitely yeah um, and, and out of interest the 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 adults that are coming in for events are they the parents of the middle schoolers and the children like do you have sort of like book families where the adult yeah. like every generation are coming in or is it just a real mix yeah no we do, we definitely community. have some book families coming in Definitely. Yeah. We've got a few kind of regulars where it's kind of cross-generational and everybody's really, yeah, really supportive of it. Yeah. Well, I mean, the evidence is there, isn't it? That parents that love books and read that their, their children are much more likely to love books and read and and pass that love on. Yeah, Um, exactly. So um, the the story times that you were talking about, um, why do you think they're so important in the community? I think firstly and foremostly, it's a place where people can come and listen to stories kind of in a way that stories are meant to be told. You know, we're such an oral species, you know, the stories around the campfire is sort of, you know, how we all began and how we connect as people. So I think it's really important for young children to kind of see that and sort of become part of that tradition. but also there are so many other things that storytelling can do on top of that kind of basic connection. You know, you're te- you can teach numbers, you can teach vocabulary, you can teach all these sort of things without it being taught. It can just be fun. And I think also with something like a story time, when you've got parents or carers coming along with their little ones, and the, again, the kids see the parents enjoying it, it just makes it so much more of a pleasant experience you know it's not all just sort of sitting there struggling through your phonics sure yes yeah. you know it's it's jumping up and down and howling and making animal noises when you've got a book about going to the zoo, <laughs> that kind of thing you know it's it's fun and I suppose as well it um gives them a really good base and preparation for going into school and, and phonics I mean when my yeah, I mean even even just we have a little sort of um we have a a little routine where we sing the same song at the beginning of every story time and I have a little rhyme at the end to end story time and in that period it's kind of sort of teaching them the structure of like okay this this is something beginning now sit down your bottoms and listen now you can jump up and move around and have a bit of a wiggle now sit down and listen again and then get up and here it is and it's teaching them those kind of structures that are also really important when they get into a big 
group in the classroom. Yeah, uh, when my um, el my eldest daughter started um, school in September, and in the transition day in the summer, the the teacher said, "What the really the most important thing I want you all to do with your children between now and when they start school in September, is um, have them well rehearsed at sitting and listening to a story from start to finish. Yeah. Um, you know that they need to be able to do that to be able to." access our daily activities and I suppose if children are not used to that and haven't had that experience you know of course it's going to seem completely normal for them to stand up and you know walk to, across the classroom or you know uh, lose concentration on, on where the narrative of a story is going um, so I, I can completely see why um, story time and having that structure that you were talking about is you know so useful for for children yeah definitely and it's not like it has to be a really fixed sort of formal structure there's not you know it's it's the idea that you can sit down and you could you're not sitting down just passively listening you're there to engage with the story as well and that's why we try and do lots of things with sort of sound effects and things like that or we'll stop a story and i'll say you know can you point something out on the page and find different things and sort of helping them observe and you know really take note of what's in front of them Lovely. And the, do your local schools, do you work closely with any of them on, on any of these uh, events or projects or even do you connect with the local schools? Yeah, so as I say, we're, we're a relatively new business. We've only been open about a year. And so schools is one of our real focus because, and this is the message to all the teachers out there, <laughs> schools can literally save local bookshops lives um if you are placing orders through local bookshops then you are putting bread and food on the table for probably one of the local mums or dads in the area um and that can making sure that 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 hub that you were talking about that's so crucial in the community stays stays afloat exactly yeah so it doesn't you know we would no i don't think any industry would sort of say yeah you've got to spend all your budget with us but if you can allocate a tiny proportion of your budget, I know it's stretched, I know it's tight, but if you can just think, oh, actually, maybe I'll just shop local for stock up of a library or just one kind of reading book order or something like that, there will be a very relieved bookseller somewhere going, okay, that's that's my month, that's, that's sorted, that's fine. Um, so we're in the process of kind of reaching out to schools at the moment, and we, the way I'm sort of working with them is trying to add value that's not necessarily about price because yeah. independent bookshops we we can't compete with well sometimes we can actually sometimes we can discount more than you can see online but we can't always compete on price but what we can offer is range and experience and knowledge i'm sure all the literacy coordinators out there have got to-do lists as long as their arms if they want help we're here to help them you know we know what kids are reading we know what they like um and we can kind of work with you and be a bit of a sounding board for ideas um and yeah and yeah we offer that range we can also we've also got the really good direct re relationships with the publishers so for example with my middle school book clubs we'll choose a book and i'll get in touch with my publisher and i'll say we've chosen this book um can you get some signed copies? Oh, lovely. You know, and, and generally we'll get a signed copy of a book. I've had authors recording specific video messages for the book club, just saying hi, you know, asking a question. Um, I've had sort of posters and things like that sent and all those kind of things that kids absolutely love to kind of hoard and collect yeah. and make themselves feel really special. And they really, like you say about the visit you had in school, those sorts of things really make books and stories and, and reading just come alive it's completely it's... come alive yeah exactly we had this one um uh, the book of stolen dreams by david far which is a really good book actually i'd really recommend it to sort of that middle school age group um we got some beautiful limited edition copies of that that had completely gold covers on the inside <sighs> they had the limited edition numbers in the bottom hand corner and all those kind of things and the kids eyes just lit up um when they got something like that so that's the kind of value a that, bookshop can offer, that you can't just sort of click a button and say okay we'll get that so you know if there are like book vending machines in your school all that kind of stuff then 
talk to an indie because we might be able to just add that little bit more and more. and actually um on my um my social media channels my professional social media channels i do get teachers come to me and say can you can you put a call out you know i'm looking for a, a book for um and there was one recently someone said um can you help me find a book ideal for like a top set year eight group uh noughts and crosses is too easy for them you know I've, that was my first go-to um we don't want to do any of the classics we want something really modern what can you suggest and i actually came to you <laughs> to, for, for a suggestion on that um and you know there are lots of literacy coordinators out there and, and english teachers and, and all teachers um, some teachers in middle schools and primary schools that are, are in charge of the, the class readers. Uh, we, we, don't, we, we don't always have the time to be as well read and as knowledgeable around what's out there as you do. Um, so I hope that teachers will think about, it, we, we have a massive workload as it is, and actually you can offload some of that time researching and, you know, offload that by just going into your local bookshop and talking to them I guess yeah exactly I mean you know just just pop in say we're doing this topic this half term what what would you recommend what would you, yeah you think are really good and then I'm sure book you know booksellers will be quite happy just to say this this is because primarily booksellers love books they want to talk about books and they want to share that passion with books so they'll probably chew your ear off <laughs> <laughs> about what's out there and what's new and what's coming and as I say we have got that connection with the publishers where we can go to them and say this is happening um also you know things like um you know if you want to sort out prizes and things like that you know a lovely signed copy of a beautiful non-fiction book or something like that we can you know and um, and it it sounds like bookshops would would want to form that relationship with their local schools for so many reasons. It's a it's a mutually beneficial relationship, isn't it? I guess. Yeah, definitely. And I think primarily, you know, over over and above all the kind of you know the business relationship of it, um, it it's about encouraging kids that love books to carry on reading. Um, you know, become booksellers of the future or teachers of the future. Um, <laughs> <laughs> or and I, I just think it, it's apart from sort of you know your times tables and things like that. It, being able to read and being able to read confidently and fluently and independently is your key to success, no matter what you want to do. Because if you need information, that's that's how you're going to source it. Mm. Um, and just being able to have that tool at your fingertips is invaluable. So however you're kind of getting it in to kids, you know, if you keep that there, it keeps their curiosity alive. Yeah, and, and all of the additional benefits of reading. So, you know, uh, positive escapism, um, you know, well-being and balance um, and fluency, like you say, and literacy, like just, it, it, understanding different cultures becoming um uh culturally aware all, all sorts of things kids exactly. can get from books can't they that, exactly. that makes them yeah. into those well-rounded young people that all teachers are trying to help craft um Indeed. really so, <laughs> um we sounds like we're both completely on the same page here about the the importance of, of bookshops um are they really under threat and and are they at risk of um, not staying afloat during these tricky times? Um, yes, <laughs> is the short answer to that question. It, the high street is a challenging, challenging place. Um, one of the tricky things that books have got against them is that books are heavily discounted in a lot of places online and in supermarkets, but booksellers like Indies are also prohibited by putting the price up. So if you were a cafe or a coffee shop and your electricity bills went up a little bit, you think, okay, maybe I'll charge an extra 50p for a cup of coffee. Booksellers can't put an extra pound on the price of the book. The price is printed on the back of the book. We can't sell it for any higher than that. So our margin is being squeezed all the time by those kind of things. Um, choosing your place um 
within a sort of a buzzing kind of community is really important and doing all those kind of community events is really really important um just to kind of drive the awareness um but yeah it's it's really really tough and you you don't like I think like with teaching it's a vocation to go into you go into because you're passionate about it because you're passionate about the people that you're interacting with and how you're influencing people um but it's 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 never going to bring in the mega bucks no well yeah it's a, yeah like you say it's a vocal like, like teaching you know? yeah <laughs> none of us are in this for the money um but the outcomes aren't we i guess yeah so- and i think that's again where lots of booksellers will kind of have that synergy and that sympathy for teachers because we kind of we're at the coalface of bookselling where you're kind of at the coalface of teaching and you know we we can share a lot of similar frustrations in that way mm. and and really be both sides in a great position to be able to e- help each other you know if yeah. schools can help bookshops stay open then bookshops can can continue to provide that literacy help yeah, in the exactly. community and, you know, the more the more schools i have coming to me the more I can go back to publishers and say to these publishers, I've got so many schools coming. Can we get this author down for the day? You know, we've got, we've got so many schools in Leighton Buzzard, it's unbelievable. But, you know, the more proactive schools are approaching indies, the more proactive indies can be in going to those publishers and offering even more value. So it's, it's a relationship that can only grow. OK, so teachers, we, we do need to do our bit really don't we for the love of books and for the love of our, <laughs> our students outcomes um yeah, so I, mean, I, I think i think author visits is just is such a fun thing for, mm. for schools to do you know have an assembly there are so many out there um it doesn't always have to cost you money obviously there are lots of authors that will charge a reader fee for you going around but if there's an author with a new publication out which the indies will know about which the bookshops will know about contact the bookshop the bookshop can reach out to the rep and if that person is out there promoting a book you'll probably get them to the school for free if they're kind of in the local area and amenable to coming because they'll see it as a promotional publicity opportunity and the indie can you know and we can sell books there as well yeah so really a teacher could come into their or go into their local indie bookshop and say are there any authors that you think are close enough with something new coming out that that we might be able to get in for free are the, yeah, are the bookshop's exactly. gonna, gonna say actually yeah might be able to suggest one or two yeah or we'll just you know or we'll just put a call out to the publishers and say look we've got this you know we've got 300 kids sitting here avidly waiting <laughs> for some fun so who, who, who could come along um yeah that's that's yeah yeah teachers that's need exactly. to go and do that go teachers yeah. listening <laughs> go, go, to your, go to your local bookshop so not just as teachers and, and you know with the, the sort of school engagement but as individuals um i know the obvious thing i mean amazon of course is the biggest out there and and the um the kinder choice is always to go into your local independent bookshop not always an option for everybody in these difficult times but aside from that sort of most obvious thing what can individuals adults what can listeners do to support their independent bookshop um talk about it and support the events that are going on there you know um just pop along um and obviously yeah tell a tell a friend um and think about sort of birthdays christmas that kind of thing but i think word of mouth is really important and but secondly, and supporting the kind of events that are going on within that community, because they're the things that kind of keep us going. Yeah. And I suppose in this modern digital age, um, liking and sharing things on social media must be quite helpful as well. Oh, yeah, that's absolutely invaluable. Yeah. Lovely. Yeah. OK, everyone listening, those are your instructions. <laughs> <laughs> Go and get it done. Uh, so before we, we finish, Jenny, uh, why don't you tell us what you're reading at the moment and um, what your children are reading? Okay, so I have just finished reading The Marriage Portrait by Maggie O'Farrell. Okay. is absolutely incredible. It's set in um, Renaissance Florence and tells the story of Lucretia de' Medici marrying Alfonso d'Este. And 
she marries him at 16 and goes to sort of live with him in his court and uh, quickly realizes that he probably doesn't want her around for that much longer um, and it sort of flashes forwards and backwards in time um, it is probably the best book I've read this year um, just in terms of it being brilliantly page-turning historical fiction um, but also just beautifully read and really really well observed and there is a rumour that I might be related to the family as well. Um, this sort of oh, really? Family poisoners. So, you know, don't get on the wrong side of a bookseller. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, that's high praise indeed for, for a book. When you see, you know, if, a, if a, a, a bookshop manager says this is possibly the best book I've read yeah. all year, then that oh, is she, she's an incredible right writer. And, this is, and also the, the publishers have done, it's still in hardback, so it is a little bit pricey, but the... Um, the publishers have done such a beautiful job of the cover it's an absolutely stunning cover it's one of those things that you kind of want to cover as an object you can tell you're a book lover because book lovers do love a really you know a, really, a lovely book to hold yeah. and look at and that's also one of the things <laughs> that publishers have really responded to in the past few years they know that book lovers want something special they want something to put on their shelves so the amount of signed copies that we get now, the amount of independent bookshop exclusive editions where you've got extra content or you've got like beautiful sprayed edges around the covers. It's it's phenomenal. It's really you can get some really beautiful objects. That's really um, like great to, to hear that they've sort of, you know, over the last couple of decades, I suppose people have said, you know, we've got audio books, we've got Kindles, you know, the book is dying out. I, I, I obviously don't support that point of view, but it's nice to hear that they've sort of been thinking about what makes a book special and, yeah, definitely. and focusing Although, on that. Um, with my, with my other ex-publishing hat on, um, I used to work in the audiobooks world. Um, an audiobook um, of a bestseller can sometimes sell as much as a hardback nowadays. So that oh. is huge. And um, an amazing publisher called Barrington Stoke, who do books that specialise um, for children with dyslexia or reading difficulties. They do these sort of beautiful kind of cream coloured pages, better spacing, that kind of stuff to help kind of reluctant readers through. Um, they've also just released an audiobook range as well. Oh, wonderful. And, and of course, I mean, I say that, you know, I don't support that they're taking over the, the, the story world, but they, of course, have their place, don't they? Certainly. Yeah, exactly. And... Exactly. And the amounts, you know, there are great things like Yoto players where kids can sort of push oh, up. My, my children, they're, they're almost five and three, and we've actually got a big, the full size Yoto player. Yeah. And since they, when they've, they've um, brought out the Yoto mini, one of the the girls got that for for her birthday so we we have stories in the car walking around the house sometimes i'll walk into a room and i'll hear a voice and i realize it's the yoto player's been left on in the corner um, but they are they're brilliant for getting kids they're brilliant exactly stories. i mean they're so easy to use and they you know you can just plug in and play and away you go yeah and actually it solves a lot of problems when um so I, people ask me sometimes what the children want for Christmas or birthdays and I just think we've got so many toys we've got so many toys I don't know what to yeah. ask for and, and you can say a Yoto card that would be great and um, it's just a great gift for somebody to give a child I think it's, it's yeah. like giving them a book isn't it but mine are so young yeah. they can't quite read yet so it, it, yeah it ticks a lot of boxes yeah so that's fantastic and um, what are your children reading um, so Sam who is seven nearly eight he's in year three he is um, currently, he's just finished reading books one to ten of the Caroline Lawrence uh, Ancient Rome Detective series. Okay. So 17 books in all. Um, and it's a really good story about um, a, a Roman girl and her friends going around ancient Rome, basically solving detective mysteries and things like that. It's a, it's a reasonably old series, but he absolutely loved it and flew with it. And before that, he'd been really kind of reluctant to read fiction mm. um, and this is the first kind of fiction series that he's got really really stuck into um, so that's, that's did you really recommend good. it or did he find it uh, I recommended it okay and said so give it a go because it's funny because I gave him sort of the sort of obvious things that I thought he'd like I gave him Diary of a Wimpy Kid 13 Story Treehouse those kind of ones and he, he really wasn't into them at all um, and I don't I don't know what it was that didn't 
resonate with him with those, but this series he's really got into. Um, so we're getting a few more of those for his birthday. And then my 20 month old, who is obviously an avid reader as well. <laughs> um, he is obsessed with cars at the moment. Um, but I have this really lovely series of books that were published in the early 2000s by um, an author illustrator called Benedict Blathwaite. And it's called the Little Red Train series. And they're very sweet stories about a little red steam train that puffs around the countryside. But the illustrations are beautiful. There are so many little tiny details and things to spot. So sometimes we'll just sit there and look at it and point out all the different cars and trees and rabbits and dogs and people walking around at the market and things like that. And it's a really lovely way of just very gently introducing storytelling and a little bit of vocabulary as well. Lovely. Sounds wonderful. <laughs> and and it sounds like um, your your older son, you know, when you say he didn't you know fall immediately for the obvious things like wimpy kid another reason why people should go and see their bookshop because actually having a maybe uh less popular option suggested that might be a perfect match might be that one series that does hook a reluctant reader um, exactly hook them in yeah exactly i know a lot of people are sort of saying oh what what's the new you know oh they like harry potter what should they read what's next, next? Um, so my my tip for that is check out Skandar and the Unicorn Thief by A.F. Stedman. Um, it's published by Simon and Schuster um, and it's a really great, it's going to be a series, there's only one out at the moment. Um, it's a really great series, perfect for that kind of age group, lots of kind of magic, unicorns, dark magic, all this kind of stuff. But yeah, that's going to, that's, that's kind of a hit with that age group. Lovely, wonderful. Um, Jenny, it's been such a pleasure to talk to you and to, to find out a bit more about um, why schools should engage with their local independent bookshops and, and the benefits, you know, both sides, um, and how much we as teachers have in common with um, bookshops. So thank you very much for coming on Teachers Talk Radio, and um, we'll speak to you soon. Thank you very much, Holly. So that was the uh, the lovely Jenny Blake from Book Later Buzzard, a um, a small local independent bookshop that is really trying to position itself as a, a literacy hub within the community. And as I explained before, lots of bookshops are now trying to do that to to keep them alive, to stop them from disappearing altogether. And and with these changes, they are making themselves more useful more important more needed in their communities but they can't do it alone they really do need their local communities to get behind them get involved um, and actually it's for the betterment of everybody particularly the children and um, of course that's why most of us do what we do uh, so we're going to head over to the news and i'll be back with you shortly <laughs> We have teamed up with the Witherslack Group to bring you a fantastic face-to-face meetup in Manchester next month. Tickets are free, with lunch included, and you'll be met with a host of amazing speakers. Sign up for Your Voice now at witherslackgroup.co.uk forward slash yourvoice2022. Hi, I'm Charlie Burley, the Teacher's Health Coach, and I want to talk to you about the first ever health and wellbeing event for educators, Rewriting Wellbeing. It's a full day dedicated to improving your health as a teacher through looking at your nutrition, movement, mindset, workload and wellbeing in school. You'll hear from our incredible lineup of speakers, including Andrew Cowley, Jen Foster, Kimberly Wilson, Simon Bolger and many more. There'll be talks, workshops and time to network with like-minded colleagues. We'll look after you all day with brunch, lunch and all the refreshments. You'll get to meet our incredible speakers and our amazing team of ambassadors from the education space. It's a non-profit event with all proceeds going to the amazing education charity EdSupport. This isn't one to miss. I look forward to seeing you there on the 22nd of October at etc venues St Paul's in London. You can search Rewriting Wellbeing on the Eventbrite website to find out more. This episode of Teachers Talk Radio has been made possible with support from Witherslack Group, the UK's leading provider of SEN education and care.
They're here to support you too through an ever-growing offer of free resources, including webinars, podcasts, articles, and events aimed at supporting teaching professionals like you. Visit their website at www.withaslackgroup.co.uk to find out more. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and this is Teachers Talk Radio News. ITV News reports on the backlash facing Middlesbrough Council from parents who want to see a return of chicken nuggets, pizza and chips to school dinners. Parents have complained about food options offered by schools across the town, claiming they are too adventurous and the portion size is too small. The complaints came following a move by the authority to try and increase fruit and vegetables, reduce sugary items and introduce vegan options and other healthier alternatives. Comments on Middlesbrough Mayor Andy Preston's Facebook page number over 400 and the majority of them criticise the new menus. Concerns include pupils not eating enough during a long school day and this impacting on concentration, focus and therefore learning. The current cost of living crisis has also increased concern as children eating a hot meal at school each day becomes even more essential for some families. The changes came at a time when one in 10 children in Middlesbrough are classed as obese when they start school, and this increases to one in five once they're in year six. Middlesbrough Council has yet to comment on the story. The Royal British Legion has announced plans to live teach about aspects of remembrance this autumn. In plans announced on the forces.net website, it states that children will be helped to understand the importance of remembrance and its continuing relevance today. The Royal British Legion will join forces with the National Literacy Trust to launch a new range of teaching resources, including live lessons. The Alive with Poppies Poetry Project will take place between the 3rd and 6th of October, and the Live Remembrance Assembly will be on the 11th of November. This year, all the resources will explore the theme of service, highlighting the role of civilian emergency services, the work of intelligence services, as well as the work of the armed forces. Further details can be found on the Royal British Legion website. In Scotland, the National reports on Nicola Sturgeon's visit to St Albert's Primary School in Pollock Shields, Glasgow. She visited to see an assembly marking the end of Scotland's Climate Week, saying it was only right to listen to the voices of young people on climate change. The theme of this year's Climate Week was to encourage respectful conversation about climate change. After the recently announced death of rapper Coolio, a video of him partying with University of Central Lancaster students went viral once again. The video originally posted in 2013 shows Coolio singing Gangster's Paradise inside a student house in Preston. The viral video also shows him cooking a meal with the students. Many have returned to the internet to view the video and pay tribute to the artist most well known for the song which featured on the soundtrack of the film Dangerous Minds. The film follows a teacher and her group of students studying at a school in a deprived part of Belmont, California. This has been your Teachers Talk Radio News with Joe Fox. This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Hello, this week I'm answering the frequently asked question, how do I support a new pupil that doesn't speak English? Well, technology is here to help. There's a few things to consider first. Apps work differently on different devices, so you'll need to have a play with the kit you have to hand. This episode is just a list of things you could try. Also, you need to remember that translators are not totally accurate, although they are pretty good nowadays. To prove this, I translated my last sentence into Ukrainian and back again. It went in reading. Also, you need to remember translators are not totally accurate, although they are pretty good nowadays, and came out. Also, you have to remember that translators are not completely accurate, although they are pretty good now. Totally became completely, and nowadays became now. Not bad, really. So, what is available for working online? Microsoft Edge has Immersive Reader built in. Press F9 and you'll be greeted with a plethora of tools. As far as translation is concerned, you can translate a page into over 80 languages and have it read to you. You can also send a link to open in Reader View by adding read colon in front of the address before you send it. In Google Chrome, you can go to settings and add languages to allow you to translate. What about documents? If you use Microsoft Office in any app, highlight, right click and select translate. Pick your language job done. Same applies to Google Docs, although it will save as a translated copy. Need a quick translation for an important question? Translate. Do you need the toilet? 
into Russian. In Russian, do you need the toilet is? That example was Siri, who doesn't translate it to Ukrainian yet. Try it with your smart devices. On most devices, you can change the language used. Just be careful with this one if it's a shared device or you or someone supporting a child needs to use the device too. Also, finding the setting again when the language has been changed may need you to have a second device to copy so you can find the buttons in a different language. That sounds too much like I'm speaking from past experience. Do you need a translated transcript of your whole class explanation? Download the Office app tap the plus sign and choose voice. Quick side note, as you're recording, you'll need permission of the people in the room to do this. Everything you say will be transcribed and then you can either translate and send or send for them to translate in one of the aforementioned ways. In this app, you can also use lens to scan handouts and translate. Finally, depending on your license, you could use a video call such as Google Meet, Zoom or Microsoft Teams to provide live subtitles using closed captions and translate. Set up a video call, join with the pupil's device and have a live translation of your lesson. This will depend on the pupil's reading ability and needs some technical knowledge to enable, so it might be worth asking your technical support if it's possible. For a visual version of some of the ideas in this briefing, check out TT Radio 2022 on social media. I'm Steve Woods, and that was Two Minute Tech. Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Hello, everybody. Welcome back from the news and uh, from our wonderful sponsors and, of course, Two Minute Tech. I'm going to say it again. I say it every week. What great tech tips. Um, I love them. They keep me going. Uh, right. So this has been a kind of book themed show today. So I thought it would be the perfect opportunity to let you know about a very, very exciting interview that I have got coming up in the next few weeks. I'm actually going to be interviewing the one and only Phil Naylor uh, about his new book, um, which of course is focused around his podcast, Naylor's Natter. You've, you must have heard of the podcast. You've probably listened to various episodes. If you haven't, where on earth have you been? Um, it's, um, I've started reading it. Obviously, I can't go into an interview completely unprepared. And uh, so far, it's um, it's been a, a breath of fresh air, concise, bright, uh, well-written, interesting. Um, it says on the cover that it's um, ideas and advice from the collective wisdom of teachers as heard on the popular education podcast. So it really is um, a uh, bringing together of all, of all of the best bits of Naylor's Natter. So I hope that you will join me for that interview. Um, and if you've got any questions for Phil Naylor, uh, then let me know. You can contact me on any of my Holly's Classroom social media channels or uh, by emailing me, holly at hollysclassroom.com. Or get in touch with Teachers Talk Radio that way if you prefer. And um, I'm looking at this and of course, like I said, it, it says ideas and advice from the collective wisdom of teachers as heard on the popular education podcast. Um, I think I need to speak to Tom Rogers, um, our top dog at Teachers Talk Radio, because we need a Teachers Talk Radio book. Uh, maybe that's, uh, maybe I, I need to be tapping him on the shoulder and asking if I can be involved in writing uh, the very first Teachers Talk Radio book, because that would be, it would be a pretty awesome read. If you haven't already, uh, you really must head over to ttradio.org and listen, oh, even if you don't listen back to all the shows, have a scroll through, search any keywords of things that are, maybe they feature on your performance management. Um, there will be a show that will give you some insight into an area that you might be thinking about or struggling with or, or want to develop and grow in. Um, it really is such a fantastic source of CPD, support, uh, thought-provoking ideas, so many shows every week. Um, and that really, I think, is what makes Teachers Talk Radio so special. There's some, always something on trend, always something a little bit different always something that that you need or that you're dealing with right here and now in your in your daily life as an educator so like i said do pop over to ttradio.org and have a look at previous shows and of course you can catch any of them live via podbean um, if you listen to them back you'll find them in all the usual places and of course we now have twitter spaces which are pretty awesome uh, you can easily call in and share your ideas on any of the topics that are being covered on the twitter spaces as well 
Um, and if you keep an eye on our Twitter feed, uh, you'll also find out about the other interviews that my colleagues, my co- my fellow hosts at Teachers Talk Radio are doing um, with other uh, authors. So we are starting to speak to more authors about their education books. And um, the, I think those prove some of the most interesting shows a little bit of insight into some of the books that that we read and use as part of our of our practice so that's it for me this week next week i've got a great show coming up that has sort of been planned and then been cancelled and rescheduled a number of times Um, but i look forward to bringing you next week a show about how you can best support uh, your low ability learners in the classroom your vulnerable low ability learners um, and how you can create safe spaces for those children. Um, it, you know, it, it obviously is not going to be an easy experience for a child that is struggling um, in the classroom academically and creating safe spaces for them to learn really does give them the, the support and the emotional scaffolding they need to, to succeed and, and do well. So that will be a great listen next week. Don't forget to tune into that. So, it's been a pleasure. It's been a joy. Don't forget that it's national, um, sorry, it's bookshop day on Saturday, as Jenny Blake told us. So do pop down to your local independent bookshop, have a little chat with them, ask them if they've got anything going on or would like to engage with your school or uh, just start that conversation with them. Let's keep our bookshops on the high street. If we don't, we're going to end up with Wilco's and charity shops and banks and very little else and on that note I will bid you farewell and I will see you next week you've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org we look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio